namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddhang tamang sanghang namasami. So we've been together for a week. Today is Friday, and uh, we gathered uh, Friday evening, uh, a week ago, even though it might feel like a month or a year, or even 10 years. <laughs> a week? What? So, but yeah, that's what the calendar says. And uh, our uh, retreat now is entering its last days. Um, we'll be heading our, in our separate directions on Sunday. And um, so the, the mind naturally considers uh, how to consider how to continue the practice and uh, the spirit of these um say this way of being these teachings in the the other world i won't say the real world but the the other world of uh, the workplace the family the big city or wherever you happen to live different countries people going back to singapore malaysia people going back to australia and um uh, going back to England, <laughs> so that uh, 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 say brings to mind the particular considerations about how to sustain the practice. Well, one of the things that uh, is most significant, a kind of quietly significant, uh, uh, but very obvious when you think about it, is that we are all together there's 70 or 80 of us gathered in this place and so the uh, effect of that presence is supportive that uh, being together with 70 or 80 like-minded people and committing our time our attention our energy to to meditation to contemplating the teachings to living simply to being restrained um that is uh I say uh, it creates a very very supportive atmosphere if you were the only one here trying to meditate and everyone else was singing and dancing and uh, ha ha having a party every evening for the week it would be very difficult <laughs> you would have a much more challenging time maybe insightful but probably more distressing and difficult and uh, uh, hard work so in terms of our daily life uh, practice, and again, I underscore the fact I've never tried to live as a lay Buddhist, so I can't really speak from direct experience. But uh, I, would, uh, I would suggest that one of the most important things in sustaining the practice is staying close to good people. And we have recited the Mangala Sutta, the, uh, the highest blessings many times and the, the, the first verse of that asevana chabala nang panditana chasevana 
the uh, this is you know literally number one on the list of what are the highest blessings the buddha says avoiding those of foolish ways associating with the wise and honoring those worthy of honor these are the highest blessings uh, a mangala is a uh, a, uh, a blessing it can, often it means a kind of um protective charm like an amulet a prakruang or a tattoo or a mantra that you recite or some kind of magical spell and the the background to this sutta this devata comes along to the buddha and says you know what what are the best mangalas what are the best kind of protections or blessings or what kind of uh, magical resources are available that's the sort of again the unspoken background in using the word mangala um, but in the teaching the buddha doesn't mention amulets tattoos mantras yantras <laughs> or any kind of um, magical items that provide protection but what he does talk about is the choices that we make uh, the things that we do this is where the the source of highest blessings are it's not uh, having um, uh, ancient buddha images on your shrine or a, or a um, somdetto amulet the real protection is don't associate with foolish people yeah draw close to good people so to the extent possible uh, i uh, strongly encourage you to stay close to each other either in the buddhist groups or keeping in contact on online or uh, going on retreats together going to teachings together um this uh, uh is a, a a very very significant thing it's not an accident that the buddha set up the sangha as a kind of um organized uh, formally arranged spiritual community as the main vehicle for his teaching carrying through time and helping beings to be liberated uh that uh, he he saw this all is doable if we help each other if we're, if we're trying to do it on our own it's really really impossible really really difficult so uh, i uh, number one on the list of uh, things to do handy hints for us to um to uh, say put energy and effort into in terms of sustaining our practice is drawing close to good people sapurisa so that asevana chabalanang not to associate seva is to associate asevana not to associate chabalanang with the bala with the crazy people <laughs> with the konpa you know, with the bala the crazy don't associate with foolish people panditancha uh, wise educated uh, skillful people draw close to them so uh, also number one on the list of factors supportive for stream entry is sapurisa sangseva to draw close to uh, to sapurisa to good people to well-rounded people and uh, again that's not an accident if if we really want to do the best that we can uh, spiritually with our life then draw close uh, to to good people and uh, uh, develop that quality of spiritual friendship whether it's physically close or just in in uh, dhamma groups online or, or uh, uh, however we might uh, carry that out but um cultivating that quality of spiritual friendship is uh, extremely significant 
it's as I said, it's kind of an invisible or not invisible, not it's not an obvious thing, but when you think about it, the fact that there's 70 other or 80 other people in the room all trying to to uh, calm their mind and focus our attention to be awake makes it much easier for you. And also you are contributing to the atmosphere, helping to make it easier for others. Uh, in one of the um, uh, the significant teachings I, I like to quote from the from the suttas um, is where the Buddha speaks in detail about the origins of avicca, ignorance. It's not something that's talked about very much. Um, in uh, one teaching in the Majjhima Nikaya, in the, the Samaditi Sutta, I think he he talks about the um, the asavas, the outflows being the the say the the fuel for um, ignorance for avijja for not seeing clearly, but in a particular sutta in the book of the tens, in the um, numerical discourses, that he spells it out in quite some detail, um, and uh, what he says is, if you don't draw close to good people, if you don't make the effort to to draw to to uh, be in the company of sapurisa then that reduces the number of opportunities you have to listen to good teachings, sadhamma savana. If you don't listen to good teachings, to helpful spiritual teachings, then that, that uh, say, will be a cause for your faith diminishing. When, when your faith in spiritual practice, spiritual teachings diminishes, as that fades, then um, the result of that is you're less reflective. You you don't consider your life. You live in a in a kind of sem, in a in an unconscious worldly way. Uh, if you are if you don't if you don't develop yoniso manasikara, if you instead uh, uh, follow the ayoniso manasikara, then the uh, if you don't reflect on your life, then uh, you also reduce the quality of sati sampajanya mindfulness and full awareness is reduced if you're if you're not reflective you're less mindful if you're less mindful then you are less restrained the the um indriya sangwara is the um uh, the pali uh there's less restraint so um uh, in thailand i think there's quite a, a good sense for this uh uh, the the quality of restraint as a, a, a spiritual attribute. Um, when explaining this, uh, we, we, when we talk about what do we mean by a lack of sense restraint, I feel that the most helpful way of, of uh, describing it is that it's when you're reactive rather than responsive. So you, something's attractive and you just chase after it. Something is uh, irritating and you just you know push it away or, or, or criticize it. Uh, something is it makes you anxious so you you run away you distract yourself so living reactively um uh, is that uh, the result of a a lack of of uh, mindfulness and full awareness to live responsively is where you like something and then there's a, a, a consideration okay i like this can i afford it is it appropriate for me to to pursue this or to 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 be with this to, to eat this or to be with this person or to to buy this uh if something is irritating or painful 
then if if we are responsive rather than reactive, then we can feel, well, this is uncomfortable, but do I need to make a problem out of it? Do I need to make a protest or do I need to so complain to everybody about how uncomfortable I am? Can I work with it internally? So this is uh, Indriya Sangvara. Um, then uh, if that, uh, if there's a lack of mindfulness and full awareness, then there's a lack of sense restraint. When there's a lack of sense restraint and we live reactively, then that provides fuel for the uh, unwholesomeness in thought, unwholesomeness in speech, and unwholesomeness in action. The the three type, uh, the three sort of areas of unwholesome activity, uh, akusala kamma. So then, when we act and speak and think in a, in an unwholesome way, then that feeds the five hindrances, the uh, the niwan. We've spoken about the niwan ha. Uh, sense desire, ill will, restlessness, dullness, and skeptical doubt. And if the uh, the five hindrances are, are provided with that kind of extra fuel, they are the support, the fuel for ignorance, for avijja. That is the, the, the power source for ignorance. And then the Buddha uses this image of, of rain falling onto the, the hilltops, very appropriate for the rainy days we've had here. So, so just as when rain falls onto the mountain, first of all, it, it forms into little puddles, and the puddles form into small streams, and the streams flow down and form into bigger pools, and the, the bigger pools uh, feed the, 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 uh, the rivers, and the rivers uh, flow down and uh, fill up the ocean, and thus the ocean is filled with, with water. In the same way, ignorance is filled up by uh, these, uh, this causal chain. But <laughs> then the, the, the good news comes in part two. If you draw close to good people, Satpurisa Sangseva, if you draw close to Satpurisa, good people, well rounded people, then that creates more causes for you to listen to the good teachings, Sadhama Savana. If you listen to good teachings, that increases faith. With the increase of faith, there's an increase of yoniso manasikara, wise reflection. With the increase of wise reflection, there's an increase of sati sampajanya, uh, mindfulness and full awareness or, or an intuitive awareness. With the increase of sati sampajanya, uh, then that increases indriya sangvara, restraint, you're living more responsively rather than reactively. Uh, and if you are uh, uh, practicing indriya sangvara, that, that restraint, then that reduces uh, the amount of uh, unwholesome thought, unwholesome speech, and unwholesome action. With the the reduction of uh, the unwholesome and the and the support of wholesome thought, wholesome speech, and wholesome action that comes from indriya sangvara, then this provides support to the four foundations of mindfulness: mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of moods, and then mindfulness of uh, the nature of reality. So then the, the four foundations of mindfulness then lead to uh, and provide the fuel for the seven factors of enlightenment, and the seven factors of enlightenment provide the fuel, the support, the power source for full knowledge and liberation. Ta-da! So it all starts off with Sapuri Satsangseva. It all begins with yeah. drawing close to good people, avoiding uh, unhelpful people.
Now, when I when I make a big thing of this, uh, which I often do, people say, Ajahn, um, I'd really like to avoid foolish people, but you don't know my family. It's so kind of almost guaranteed. Probably a few of you were thinking that already, like, or like, oh, you want to meet my boss? <clears throat> so it's understandable that uh, sometimes we can, we have agency, we can make choices, sometimes we can't make choices. But uh, as I was saying yesterday about carrying people around, even if your boss has got a difficult character, a difficult personality, or someone in your family is very challenging, you don't have to carry them around. You don't have to leave the room every time they walk in. That's a bit much. But you can quite skillfully and, and mindfully not let them take up residence in your jitta, as they say, not let them live free in your mind. <laughs> that uh, you don't have to carry them around. Uh, when there is a choice to, to, be, uh, to be around difficult people, uh, crazy people or challenging people, or people with bad, with unskillful habits, uh, where, where there is a choice, then make the choice to not hang around, not be there, not not associate. But if you do have to be around people who are drinking or who are very worldly or aggressive or competitive and and that, just to be considering, okay, how much value do I really have to give to this person's attitudes? Do I have to carry them around with my list of complaints about what's wrong with them? Like you know, all all the uh, the things that are wrong with with your uh, your aunt or your uncle or your your, your father or your mother or your, your partner, <laughs> but uh, to to not just physically associate, not associate, but mentally not to associate. If you understand what I mean. Also, uh, nowadays with so much social media and, and online connections, it, I would say also, Asevana uh, Chabala, not to associate with foolish people. Uh, through the media, through the you know through the television or through the internet or through social media, yeah. How much time do we have to spend uh, reading other people's comments about uh, their the lunch they ate or the uh, where they've gone on holiday? And you know, do we really need to be filling our attention with with uh, uh, a lot of the things that are put out into the world? So that's the first item, uh, I would say, uh, to encourage uh, as a way of sustaining the spirit of this retreat and the the, uh, the quality of practice. The, uh, another obvious one is that we've, we've all been keeping the precepts uh, living here uh, together during this time. The eight precepts has been the standard, and uh, that's not expected for everyone in your ordinary everyday lives, but certainly the five precepts is highly recommended. Uh, and that, again, you can't control what the other people around you are doing, but uh, you can control your own actions, your own speech. Uh, and so that that is a very powerful support because uh, during the, this week together, then no one has deliberately killed anything. Panatipata viramani. So, we don't we don't have to regret having taken the life of even a, of an insect. You know we've been careful with the and respectful of the lives of other things. We haven't stolen anything and so on. So that if we sincerely take the five precepts and keep them and use that as a framework for our life, it, it makes for a, a very profound foundation of peacefulness. 
the little verse that we recite at the end of the the five precept ceremony um uh imani panchasi kapadani silena sugatingyanti silena pogasampada silena niputingyanti tasama silang daye. so that little verse maybe some of you have read the translation maybe not <laughs> so what it means is these are the these are the five precepts imani panchasi kapadani silena sugatingyanti the to live virtuously leads to happiness to sugati silena boga sampada to to keep the precepts leads to boga which means true wealth it doesn't mean you'll win the lottery or that your business will will make a pile of money but it means that, that you will have a quality of contentment of, of uh, you won't be uh, creating the, the cause of a sense of lack or craving so bhoga sampada there's a quality of abundance or fullness that would in pali punna not not punya but punna the sanskrit is purna meaning fullness or completeness um so that you know, there's a quality of of wholeness completeness no, no sense of lack silena uh, nibutinyanti nibuti is coolness peacefulness so to keep the precepts leads to coolness, leads to that quality of, of ease and uh, relaxation, uh, peacefulness. Uh, so therefore, let the precepts be purified. So uh, uh, establishing the five precepts as the framework for relating with, the, with your family, in the, in the workplace, on the street, in, in, the, in society, is uh, very, uh, very supportive to our own lives. But also, um, uh, I like to uh, to emphasize that the the Buddha didn't just talk about the precepts as a set of limitations. You know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. <coughs> but in a particular teaching called the Eight Streams of Merit, the Eight Rivers of Punya of Bun, uh, uh, the Buddha said there are these eight eight great streams, eight rivers of Punya of blessing that um, have been respected since ancient times that are are respected and revered by the wise and that uh, bring great uh, great uh, great good fortune and great happiness and great peace are a great uh, force of of uh, beauty and goodness in the world and what are these eight streams so the first three are taking refuge in buddha dhamma and sangha they're the the refuge in the the three uh, the three jewels the triple gem so those are one, two, and three, and then the, the the last five are the five precepts. And so, in this teaching, he calls the five precepts the five great gifts, Mahadana, which is interesting. How many people think of the precepts as as a gift? <laughs> but what he says is, if you take the precept to not deliberately take life, you grant to immeasurable, to innumerable numbers of beings freedom from fear, freedom from distress, freedom from anxiety. And in turn, you bring to yourself, to your own life, freedom from fear, freedom from distress, freedom from anxiety. So it's a gift. You're giving that. So this is called abhayadana, the gift of fearlessness. So that's a direct result of keeping the precepts. So similarly with not taking what is not given, adinadana, kame sumichachara, uh, Musawada and Sura Meraya, 
So if you are refraining from lying, you're refraining from sexual misconduct, you're refraining from stealing, and you're refraining from using drugs and alcohol, this is a gift. You're a blessing to the people around you, to the animals that you're not killing, <laughs> the people who know that, oh, you can trust her. You can leave your, you can leave your bag on your desk and go out, uh, and go out for a walk, and, and she won't be going through your things. Uh, that uh, that when you say something, people know. Oh, he's telling the truth. You don't have to be suspicious that he's he's uh, deceiving you or trying to get something from you. That ah, it's a, a you're a blessing. It's a stream of merit, a stream of of punya. So uh, of course, if you go around thinking I keep the precepts, I'm a blessing in your life. You know, you're so lucky to have me in the family. You know, I'm I'm the the moral torchbearer. In this family, you know, you're so fortunate. At least one of us is is virtuous. That's called being a pain in the neck. That does not help anybody to be kind of um, uh, waving your virtue in there or <laughs> pushing your virtue into people's faces. That does not help. <laughs> but just seeing the natural chemistry, if we if we live by the five precepts, if we keep the five precepts, that how abhayadana works that uh, that giving of fearlessness uh, the the monastery that uh, i helped to establish in america abhayagiri uh, often when thai people came to visit they thought why did you call this forgiveness mountain because in the thai language apai means to forgive it comes from the the word abhaya meaning fearless so it doesn't mean forgiveness mountain it means fearless mountain named after an ancient monastery in Sri Lanka. Uh, and so how is forgiveness related to fearlessness? Well, in exactly the same way, uh, along with keeping the precepts being abhayadana, um, you know, that being people and, and other living beings don't have to be afraid of you, they don't, they don't have to be suspicious that you want to get something from them, you're going to steal something from them, you're going to take advantage of them or get them into trouble. So uh the uh, the connection as i understand it between forgiveness and fearlessness is if you don't carry around any grudges any negativity if you forgive the people who've hurt your feelings who've done you wrong then um again that's you're giving that feel that quality of spaciousness and ease so that uh up higher uh uh Apai is to, if you forgive people, if you're not carrying negativity around, then you are, are making a very peaceful atmosphere. People, uh, if if you if you have a lot of negativity and resentment against someone, and you walk in the room, then immediately they're going to be defensive, or they're going to attack you, or they're going to leave the room. <laughs> if they know that you're not carrying around a grudge. Patika in Pali, uh, you're not carrying around the negativity or resentment, or you're not kind of got a a, a, um, a vendetta against them. Then when you come in the room, they might say, "Oh, it's him." Oh, okay, yeah, no, it, it's good between us now. <sighs> I can relax, abhaya, free from fear, because that person is uh, not uh, carrying any ill will towards uh, towards you. So uh, again, uh, in the one of the things that we can take from this retreat and 
bring into our, our house, uh, the household life uh, to, uh, on Sunday uh, after we uh, finish the retreat formally in the early morning. And there'll be a part of the ending of the retreat will be a asking for forgiveness ceremony. That's not just a little Pali ritual that happens at the end of a retreat. That can be a daily practice <laughs> that uh, that you you do in your family, in the workplace, at least uh, within yourself of uh, say, by body, speech, your mind, whatever I have done that has been painful or upsetting or irritating to you, I ask for your forgiveness. So, and then similarly, uh, I forgive you, uh, I forgive you for, for anything that you have done that has upset me. So that that conscious letting go, forgiving, and um, uh, say, allowing people to have made mistakes and you're not carrying around a, a grudge, uh, that's uh, an attitude that we can cultivate uh, and is a great blessing. Uh, it's a, a very beautiful thing to bring in into the, uh, the, the world. Uh, another aspect of that, uh, which is a little bit more challenging, is um, uh, uh, in, in this retreat, you know, we are... We have name, you know, people have name tags, but it's all fairly anonymous. And, you know, you can be sort of blob number three, row five, you know, blob number one, row two. It just doesn't really make a, our personalities, our careers, our achievements, our titles, you know, our university degrees uh, don't really matter very much. You know, you blob number seven, row eight, you know, blob, you know, bro, you know problem of uh, five row 16 it's quite a relief so that um what that means or why this is significant is I, I don't think that the any of us have a lot of expectations about each other we're not saying um you should be a better meditator or maybe you, some of you feel like that <laughs> you're going up to some you're, you're not trying hard enough or you know you should you should do more of this. You should you should do less than that. We don't have a lot of expectations for each other. So another of the aspects of giving people space, the apayadana, and this is a kind of a refined practice, uh, particularly is but it's very useful with your your work colleagues, if particularly if you're a boss or a senior person in a family, um, particularly if you're an elder in a family, is to um, not have expectations of other people not be looking to get something back from your your team your workers your family members your children your grandchildren um, that sense of entitlement is a lot of dukkha expectation yeah you know, i'm doing this for you so you should do this for me like it's a kind of business deal that's a pretty painful state to be in and so that the le I, speaking from experience the less expectations that we have of each other uh, not that we don't care, but that uh, if I'm if I'm not expecting or looking for anything back from any of you, then that's very spacious, very peaceful. So if people do say, "Oh, thank you very much, Ajahn," or "Can I give you this flower?" And you go, oh, thank you very much. Nice surprise. But uh, you're not expecting anything. You're not saying, "Well, no one said thank you. No one's given me any flowers." <clears throat> yeah, I'm not. I'm not appreciated here. You know, I need to be respected. I want, I, I should be appreciated. And even, I'm kind of hamming it up a bit, but as soon as you think, I should be appreciated, I, I should be appreciated, it means people are going to appreciate you much less. 
<laughs> as soon as you demand respect, no one feels much respect for you. I would tend to say it's a bit of a generalization, but I would say that's that's how, I should be respected. Then oh, he's got it really badly. <laughs> so the the more that we give each other space, we don't we don't have expectations. We're not trying to get anything back from anyone. Um, then life is is very open, very very easeful. And uh, th this is a, a very uh, obvious character from characteristic of Lumpur Cha that he didn't need to get anything from any of his disciples. He wasn't looking for praise. He wasn't looking for um, any kind of affirmation. Uh, I mean, I couldn't understand the language uh, very much at all, but just his whole manner, the way he related, if people say, oh, Lumpur, you're so wise, you're so wonderful, he would just kind of, he wouldn't be flattered, if you know the word flattery, like, he wouldn't say, oh, yes, sir, thank you very much, I'm very wise indeed, yeah. you're so discerning to see how wise I am, yeah, he, he didn't need to be loved, he didn't need to be praised, he didn't need to be appreciated, he just offered the teachings, offered his example, and then whatever people want to do with it, that's your business. And uh, again, I couldn't follow the language very much, but just his whole mode of of speaking, of acting, and, and re relating, you realize, wow, he doesn't need anything from anybody. He's a totally free being. <laughs> and that, uh, so similarly, uh, if you don't have expectations of people, you don't feel let down. If somebody behaves in a really stupid way, they act, they're selfish, or they get angry, get upset, you don't feel, oh, I'm disappointed in you, uh, or, or, oh, you've really let me down, or you've, you've really disgraced Wat Bapong. It's like, even saying those words, it's like, it's hard to even pretend to act those words, because Lumpur, Lumpur Chao would never ever think that, not even one millimeter in that direction. So if we really let go of each other and don't have expectations, then you never feel betrayed. You never feel let down by anybody. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> no one disappoints you. And so I realize that's a bit of a stretch, uh, and, uh, but, and it's a kind of a challenging area of Dhamma practice. But in terms of attitude, and if we, if we want to cultivate a, a spacious and, and peaceful life, this is a significant part of that. And uh, I feel that the more that we can do that, then it's also that's also a gift to others. Uh, you know, I remember saying to one of the um, the Mechi, uh, the Anagarikas at uh, Amaravati, um, who came from a, a very sort of rigid family. When I, I got the sense that the family. Her family had a lot of expectations <laughs> that she'd had to deal with in her professional life. She'd been very successful professionally, but uh, anyway, it seemed like. Uh, and and I just made the comment to her. So I, I I never feel let down by anybody, and the expression on her face was like, like such a concept was something she'd never ever come across. Like, she said, "Really?" So yeah, I, I don't. I never. I don't feel disappointed in people. And you could almost sort of feel her family history kind of <laughs> and the, her, her working life of uh, how many people saying, 
Yeah, you let me down. You could have done better. You're real. You're real. You really are a disappointment. I, I thought you could have done that a uh, much better job there. And uh, uh, so I feel that was uh, that that particular exchange. I thought, oh, this is this is a good point to make. This is something that's really helpful to develop in our lives, like uh, to to not be carrying around expectations and and. And also that sense of needing to get something back from others, but rather that spirit of just you put out what you can into the world and then people do with it what they what they will. It's up to them. Not there. In terms of meditation, uh, we've spoken about this a little bit already. So ideally finding time each day for some uh, quiet sitting meditation in the morning or in the evening or midday or wherever you can find some convenient space in your day when uh, you're, uh, you're, you're not going to be called upon or have to engage too much that's helpful but also as uh, Achan uh, Ju was uh, was reminding or was, was bringing up that I like to uh, encourage what I call micro meditations so this uh, during the course of the day particularly in the workplace in the family home just taking five seconds to stop, be still, one, two, three, four, five. Then carry on with your, your task. If you do it in the middle, if the, if the rest of the family are in the living room while you do that, it can be a, a, a bit upsetting for people. Like, Why is mum just frozen solid? You know, she in some kind of a thing? She's doing a meditation thing. Oh dear. So yeah, just you know, choose the time and the place appropriately. But uh, uh, it, it is amazing how much more space there is in the day when we free the heart from that habit of becoming the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, and we just stop. <coughs> come into a room, come into the kitchen, stop before you pick anything up, before you turn the tap on or pick up a cup. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Going into the, the workplace, going into your office, sit down in the chair before you touch the keyboard or anything. Just one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Let it begin. And uh, it, it it's a um, a simple, very very simple practice, but extraordinarily effective because. In that moment, five seconds can be quite a long time. You'll notice what, what is being carried around in the body and the, the, the quality of, of tension or stress. And that by just stopping, being still, then you can naturally let things relax. Uh, another of the practices I like to encourage um, uh, is uh, in, the, in, in the home, in the workplace in particular, where there's a lot of activity, uh, go to the room. Uh, go to the rooms where there's a lot of conversation, a lot of engagement. Where you have to be a person, your role as the the parent or the or the 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 doctor or the student or the teacher, the the kind of um, the teacher's common room or whatever it might be. Uh, the the uh, uh, going to a place where there's, there's often gathering, conversation. You're having to perform particular roles and just be there. And there's nobody else around just to feel the presence of that space. And so 
getting to to sense the silence, the space, the stillness that's there behind all the conversations, behind all the personalities, behind all the decision making and discussion, behind the agendas and the and the 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 um, the debates. There's silence, stillness, spaciousness. And so uh, over the years, I uh, I would do this quite a lot and found it very very helpful just to to uh, to keep attentive. And in a way, it's it's more helpful to just have that as a basic recognition once or twice in the day, at the beginning of the day, end of the day, whenever you might fit it in, rather than trying to be mindful of some sort of mechanical activity during the course of uh, of a meeting or a conversation. Oh, a conversation. Oh, I should be mindful in this meeting. Be mindful, be mindful. And then you're so full of the idea of being mindful that you're not being mindful. <laughs> You're kind of tripping over your own feet. Um, and again, I speak from experience, trying to live at Amaravati in the 1980s, being sort of consciously mindful all the time, I would find I was often really out of tune with things, and that it was actually turned out to be more helpful just to establish the sense of, of silence, stillness, peacefulness, uh, the morning meditation, and then or going to the workplace, the you know, building site if we were building something, or the office before anybody showed up, or in the evening after everyone has gone, and just uh, recognizing, feeling, sensing that stillness, spaciousness, silence, and then in during the course of the day, of the day when you're in that space and you're taking care of all the responsibilities, something in you remembers. Oh, actually, behind all of this, there is silence, there is spaciousness, there's stillness. And I found that was far more helpful of staying in tune with things than some sort of um, a kind of clumsy mindfulness that we can easily fall into. In terms of wise reflection, the Yoni So Manasikara, then um, the uh, one of the most helpful practices that you know, Lumpur Cha encouraged is. Uh, the way of developing the anicca sanya, the perception of uncertainty, impermanence, not sure, my And we don't have to be in deep samadhi, we don't have to be in silence or in a, in retreat, just to, to be noticing. You're, you're standing on the train platform, waiting for the train, and then when's the train going to come? My <laughs> Uh, uh, once you've got on the train, are you sure it's going to get to the destination that you want to go to? My I just uh, saw a uh, a news report that the uh, the brand new underground line in London, the Elizabeth Line, named after Queen Elizabeth, uh, all the trains stopped on the Elizabeth Line for three hours because there was a swan on the line. Uh, only in Britain would you know all the trains stop for, to protect a bird. <laughs> we, we love uh, we love animals very much, <laughs> wild animals, uh, pet animals. So there was a swan on the line, so all the trains stopped for three hours till they'd managed to gather up the swan and take it back to the river, and then trains could go again. <laughs> so you get on the train, oh, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> swan on the line. So Mainair is a, a, a very, very simple reflection uh, to, in terms of 
the commitments you have, the routine that you have, what you expect to be happening during the course of a day. I can say, oh, uh, I'm going to be going to Bangkok on Sunday. I've got a ticket. Well, am I? It, will the planes be flying? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? My nair, it's not a sure thing. I know I have a ticket. That's uh, 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 that. That's true, but will the plane be flying? Will I be on it? Uh, who knows? My It's not a sure thing. So this deliberate cultivation of uncertainty of uh, anicca, uh, again, it's a, a way of making much more space in our day. It reveals the the presumptions we make about what we're doing, where we're going, what's happening, and uh, it helps us to not be complacent not to take things for granted but um to uh to instead be recognizing oh yeah all of this is subject to the laws of, of nature it's not a sure thing anicca and sabay sankara anicca all conditioned things are uncertain they're in a state of change we don't know what they're going to change into it's not a sure thing so that's uh, extraordinarily simple but very uh, effective and lumpo cha would say this is the 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 pathway of the noble ones this is the standard of the noble ones of the aria this is the gateway to to liberating wisdom simply recollecting taking to heart it's not a sure thing uh, this life is is uh, very uncertain an extension of that is um uh, uncertainty, not just with events in our, our daily routine and program and so on, <coughs> but um, uncertainty with respect with respect to our opinions and judgments. So when we uh, and if it's very interesting to do, if you set the intention at the beginning of a day, say to count how many how many judgments and how many opinions you have during a day, it's quite shocking. But it's in the hundreds for most people, I would say. This is beautiful, that's ugly, this is right, that's wrong, this is good, that's bad. I approve, I don't approve. And uh, a, a very simple practice that Lumpur Cha would encourage with respect to that quality of uncertainty or or developing the Anicca Sanya in terms of our opinions and judgments and preferences um, is to simply ask the question, is that so? This is beautiful. Is that so? This is awful. Is that so? This is exactly what I wanted to happen. Is that so? This is just what I didn't want to happen. Is that so? And it can sound like a bit of a put down, like, no, is that so? Kind of as this, but it's not meant as a dismissal, but rather it's, in a sense, creating a bit of space around the judgments and opinions, the ditti that, that we have, and that in that moment there's a recognition of oh in my world i call this ugly or i call this delicious or i call this beautiful or i call this yeah, wrong or i call this good uh, that's only from this version of the world aha so it's a, again it's a direct source for uh, for the cultivation of wisdom of satipanya so that uh, again it takes a bit of effort to remember to do that but if you if you notice how many judgments you make during a day and just ask, Jingle, is that true? Is that so? Jingle, oh, <laughs> is that right? Then, oh, yes, of course, it's just my opinion. It's just a judgment. It's just my preference. Aha. So um, that has a, a very 
a very direct and potent effect. And even more simple is the one word practice of so. This is great. So. This is awful. So. My mind is all over the place. So. My mind is really focused. So. <clears throat> and again, it's a very leveling kind of a practice. It, uh, it, when you, we're being appraising ourselves or, or um, excited about something that we like, it helps to look long, kind of bring things down to a bit more of a balanced level. Or if we're self-critical or we're feeling disappointed, oh, that's really, that's really a shame. Oh, that's exactly what I didn't want to happen. So, oh, okay. That was just my expectation. It helps to raise the, the mind up. So it's a very, very, very simple, but very powerful balancing agent. And um, it's a, uh, it, it's a uh, amazing how such a simple reflection, very uncomplicated, if that's applied, how much that changes your world. Uh, I can't guarantee for all of you, but uh, if, you, if you try it out and work, and work with it, there's a lot of, oh, 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 right, yes, oh. Well, that makes a difference. It really uh, freshens up the the world that we uh, that we are experiencing moment by moment. So these are a few hints, possibilities, a few threads to consider. Um, we still have uh, tonight and all day tomorrow, Saturday night and early Sunday morning um, before things come to a conclusion. So it's and as we know, uh, a day, an hour, a minute can be a really long time. <laughs> Five seconds can be a really long time. So, uh, but just to be um, putting some of those thoughts uh, into consciousness, to bring bringing that up, to uh, consider how to sustain the spirit of this uh, endeavor uh, into the the broader world. So, I offer these thoughts for consideration this evening. Thank you.